0: Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the Senior Pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Hey Transformers, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here with us and I pray that this series has been a blessing to you and your family, that you've been encouraged through this time. And so we want to talk continually about being positive because it's a great mindset to have, especially when we go through difficult seasons. And so we're at episode number five of Being Positive and the title that we have today is called Scared of Scarcity. And I'm just going to be honest and start right, right off and think that we, we're actually living, all of us are living under a certain level of fear. In the current environment that we're living in, we base a lot of decisions on actions of fear. And we make decisions, sometimes rash decisions, based on things that we're fearful about. And one great example is, you know, at, at the beginning of this year, we had the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, And I guarantee you that this is going to be a great history lesson. You think about it, you know, when teachers actually begin to teach their students, history teachers begin to explain this pandemic years to come. They're going to be telling people that, you know, there was a mass buying of toilet paper. People just went crazy. They were fighting in the supermarket. They were attacking each other. People took videos of their storage facilities of toilet paper stacked from floor to ceiling. And people were just going. nuts because they thought there was going to be a huge shortage and therefore this led to great panic buying and they went out and bought massive quantities of toilet paper all across the world and so when history teachers are telling their students I guarantee they're going to be convinced that COVID-19 was to do with a great diarrhea pandemic when it has nothing to do with that at all in fact it's not related to that at all it's to do with lungs and our breathing and so how did this happen why did why did this occur what led to this amazing thing where people just went crazy for toilet paper above all other things you know you think food or something else but toilet paper was the number one thing that people bought and so what happens is that somewhere along the line, you know, someone probably thought or had the idea, hey, I need to store up on toilet paper. And they went and they bought a few and people around them probably noticed. I'm like, hey, I need that too. And they bought a few. And then this caught on. And then the media got attention because they're saying, hey, people are buying toilet paper. And so they broadcast it across the news. Then everyone noticed it and everyone went crazy because they all thought, hey, there's going to be a shortage, a mass shortage of toilet paper. So we're just going to go out there and buy stacks and heaps and that's what they did. And so they had a huge run out and, you know, supermarkets were restricting you to just buying one pack and it was just going crazy. And that led, that media fueled our fear, fueled our fear of lack. And so that led to panic buying, that led to frustration, that led to anger, that led to a whole host of different things that we wouldn't normally do in a normal kind of environment. And so Think about it in this way. This pandemic has nothing to do with toilet paper. It has to do with our lungs. It has nothing to do with our stomach. It has to do with our breathing. But yet, it led to decisions that have unrelated consequences. And when we think about it deeply and we think, why did this happen? Was there a shortage? Was there actually a shortage? There was not a shortage at all. If we had continued doing our normal behavior, if we had bought things the way we normally buy, there would have been no run out of toilet paper. We would have had enough. So there was not actually a lack. It was just us reacting to a certain situation based on our mindset of thinking that there's going to be a lack. There was always enough, but we believed that there was never going to be enough. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today the root of tension that exists between a culture of consuming and God's economy. When we have this mindset of just consuming things, it works contrary to God's economy that says God will supply everything we could possibly need. And so we have this thing called a scarcity mindset. And a scarcity mindset does not start in our wallet. It actually starts in our mind. That's why it's called that. And scarcity, a scarcity mindset always says or thinks There's never going to be enough. I don't have enough to take care of my needs. I don't have enough finances. I don't have whatever I need. I'm always suffering lack. I'm always working from this position where I feel like I never have enough. And God actually addresses this to his people because this is not the first time that people go and do crazy things. It happens over and over again in history. You know, there's something that's going to happen, some crisis that arises that causes us to react in fear and develop this scarcity mindset. And so God talks to his people in Haggai chapter 1 verse 6 and this is what he says, you know, you eat but you do not have enough, you drink but you are not filled with drink, you clothe yourselves but no one is warm and he who earns wages earns wages to be put into a bag with water. Holds. And that's what it feels like sometimes, like we just don't have enough. We have enough to eat, but we just are not full. We want more. We have you know, wages or jobs, but it feels like we're just earning and it's just disappearing. And so we go into this thing called a scarcity cycle. And this is what it is. I want you to pay close attention because this is really important. The scarcity cycle does not mean that we continue to live in this, but we sometimes lapse into it from time to time. And in order to break out of it, we need to understand what it is is and get the wisdom from scripture in order to counteract this situation. And so this is the scarcity cycle. God supplies us and therefore we consume, and when we consume, we realize that we don't have enough, so therefore we have a lack, so we lack, and then we fear, and then we go and we consume some more, and then when we consume, it goes back into that cycle. We lack, we fear, we consume. We lack, we fear, we consume, and we go round and round and round, and we don't actually break out of it, because we're always thinking from this mindset that we have lack. We are actually in a scarcity mindset. And the abundant mindset, however, is come to counteract what the scarcity mindset does in our life. An abundant mindset is a God-given thought or wisdom that comes from his word that tells his kids, his children, his followers, the Jesus followers, that there's always going to be enough. Now listen to these words. It says this, now to him who is able, able to do far, more abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. That's what we're talking about, a God who's able to do far more abundantly than we can even conceive of, You see, everything about God is excessive, it's extravagant, it's more than enough. He is a wonderful, all-supplying God. And when we walk with Him, we never have to go into this scarcity mindset because He is always present and He always provides. But if you view life through the lens of scarcity, we will always be fearful and always be anxious about something that comes into our life. But Jesus comes to give us a different plan uh, to counteract this thing, this world of consuming. He comes to tell us that there is life and there's abundance in life. We can enjoy life by not living under constant fear. And Jesus has a much different plan for us. In John 10.10, this is what happens. He says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come, Jesus says, I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. God wants to give us an abundant life. Abundance means overflowing. My Abundance means more than enough. I want to show you through scriptures some of the things that we actually go through. And sometimes we might not recognize it in our lives, but sometimes we, as I said before, we just lapse into certain ways of thinking. And so I want to talk to you about this example that comes to us. And here's the context of what's happening. You know, the current king of Israel has led his nation away from God and to lead into worshiping false idols. And there's People living under this king. And so there was one woman in her family that really loved the Lord and served the Lord. And she had, you know, a husband and and two kids, and they served the Lord with all of their heart. And so one day, this husband, he actually died. And he left her with a great amount of debt. And so therefore, the creditors were coming to kind of take back what they were owed. And so they said, if you don't know how to pay us, if you're not capable of paying us, we're actually going to take your kids and put them into slavery. And that's what they did in that time because they couldn't pay it. So they would take their children and make them work in servitude till that debt was paid off. And so the Mosaic law at that time allowed for this to happen. And a son would become slave. And so she was desperate. She lost her husband. She doesn't want to lose her sons. And she goes to the man of God and she says, you know what? I've been faithful. Why is this happening to me? And that's sometimes we have this, you know, God, we've been faithful to you. Why is this happening to me? But the situation around her was beyond our control. The situation around us is beyond our control. How we react comes from this place or this depth of where we are rooted and grounded in God. And so this is what the scripture tells us in Second Kings chapter 4. A certain woman, the widow of one of the guild prophets, cried out to Elisha, the man of God, my husband, your servant is dead. You know that he revered the Lord, yet now his creditor has come to take my two children into servitude. Elisha answered her, what am I to do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. And listen carefully to this. She replied, this servant of yours has nothing in the house, but a jug of oil. And so today I want to talk to you about three principles of provision based on this example that comes to us from scripture. And so here's number one. I want you to write this down. Number one principle of provision. Don't diminish what you have. Do not diminish what you have. Because what you have isn't nothing, it's something. You see, this woman had something in her house. But in her view, she believed she didn't have anything. When Elisha asked her, Elisha said to her, what do you actually have? And she says, no, I have nothing. There's nothing here. You know, there's nothing possible that I can have or possess that I can get myself out of this situation. She replied, the servant of yours has nothing in the house but a jug of oil. And she said, she diminished something that was small in the house. She looked at a jug of oil and says, that's nothing. What can it do? You know, maybe I can just fry something or or make something to eat. And that's the end of that. That's just not going to be enough. It's going to be insufficient for what I believe is necessary for my desperate situation. And sometimes we do the same thing. We look into our life and say, oh, that's just something small. You know, I just have $50 in my account. Or I just have, you know, a friend that shows up when I'm in need. But that's not important. They're not important. I have a desperate situation. I have a big situation that's beyond control that looks like I can't get out of this. But here's what I want you to understand. God can use something to do anything. God can use the something to do anything. Do not diminish what you have. Don't despise what you have. See, the scarcity is fixated on what you don't have. Scarcity mindset is fixated on the lack, but abundance asks, what do you have? What, in fact, do you possess? You know, a farmer, if he wants to have an abundant harvest, if he wants to have a great harvest, realizes that it comes from a seed. If a seed is sowed into the ground and he does not despise his seed, he will get an amazing harvest harvest because he realizes that the seed is not insignificant. It has the potential to produce a mighty blessing. And it's the same way with God. What we have in our life, we might not even realize it or even look at it as anything of significance, but there's something in our life already that has come from God that we don't look at as significant. But don't diminish what you have. Let's not despise what we have. If you have a job, be thankful that you have a job. God can bless you and bless others through you. If you have food, be thankful that you have food. There's people across the world that don't even have that. God can use it to bless you and to bless others around you. Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have, because here's what scriptures encourage us with. From Philippians 4.19, it says this, And my God will supply all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God is able to supply all of your needs, all of my needs, all of the needs of every single person, because he is rich in riches and he's able to give it to us. So number one, do not despise or diminish what you have. Number two, God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. God does the extravagant to what seems insignificant. Look back into the text. Elisha says to her, and he gives her this command, he says, Go out, borrow vessels from your neighbors, as many empty vessels as you can. Then come back, close the door on yourself and your children pour the oil out into all the vessels. As each is filled up, set it aside. So she went out, she closed the door to herself, her children and her, and they handed her the vessel so she would pour it out. She went out and they got as much vessels as they thought they would need. You know, anyone has a spare, give it to me, give it to me. They grabbed a few vessels. They went into her house. They closed the door and they said, okay, let's bring these vessels out. And so they took the oil that Elisha said and they began to pour it out. Here's an important principle. Your faith is a mustard seed for great potential. A mustard seed faith is what is required to see the extravagance of God's miracle in your life. You just need a small thing. You know, Jesus talked about this mustard seed faith. He says, you don't need to have a huge boatload of faith. You just need to have a small mustard seed. And that mustard seed can produce a mighty harvest. And he was talking about faith, but it's just as practical when you look at it in a realistic point of view as well because you know a mustard seed is quite small but when you plant this mustard seed and tend to it it becomes a huge tree jesus talked about that birds of the air come and and roost in it and and live in it and make their nests in it and so it provides protection but it also provides a great multiplication of seed it does not produce just one other seed it produces a mighty harvest of seeds, this one seed can replicate or multiply multiply into thousands of other seeds. And so here's a great point to realize. What she saw as nothing was what God used to give her everything. What she saw as nothing, God used to give her everything. Your nothing is often God's something. I'm reminded of this when I think about the miracle of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, it's kind of similar to what this was happening here. There was 5,000 men that were gathered, which means that there was more. They counted men at that time, so there's 5,000 men probably 5,000 women and kids. So there could have been you know, up to fifteen or to 20,000 people that had gathered there to listen to Jesus. And so Jesus tells his disciples, well, they're hungry, feed them. And so the disciples, they kind of, uh, kind of go through this scarcity mindset because they look around like, we don't have enough to feed all these people. There's no possible way that we have enough money or supply or provision to take care of the needs of all of these people. So they looked around. They tried to come up with some solution. They looked around. They they find this kid. He has, you know, two fish and five loaves. They take it off him, and they come to Jesus to kind of explain to Jesus why they need to send the people home, because they just don't have enough. You know, we're living in this time. We they're in the middle of the desert, so it doesn't look like there's anything around. We're living in a similar situation where it looks like there's lack all around, and we're looking at what we have, and we go, this does not seem to be enough to take care into the future, to provide for my family, to Right for my kids, and that's what we say to God God, it looks like we don't have enough, and that's exactly what the disciples did. They went to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, we just have these two fish and five loaves, and there's no possible way that this is going to feed 5,000 or up to 15 to 20,000 people. There's no way that these two minute little crumbs or morsels of food could provide enough for everyone. Jesus, however, understood the principle of abundance and so he told the disciples tell them to sit down they probably were confused but they listened to what Jesus said and so they sat down and then they said here Jesus we will give it to you and here's an important principle they gave it to Jesus so whatever you have or whatever you see as lack present it to God ask him to bless it and that's exactly what Jesus did he prayed he lifted it up he blessed it he gave it to the disciples to give away. And when they gave it out, when they distributed it, there was more than enough. And there was so much more that they took up 12 baskets of crumbs that were sufficiently left over. So not only was there supply for all of them to eat and be filled, there was even more than that that was required. See, God uses what you see as nothing to perform extravagant things because he is a God of abundance and he is a God of supply. So principle number two God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. And so let's get to number three, because I want to share this important provision, principle of provision number three. God's abundance often follows faith. God's abundance often follows faith. So we go back to our text, and it says this. They began to pour out the oil into these vessels. And as they began to pour, God miraculously multiplied it. So as they filled one vessel up, it became full. They grabbed another and they began to fill it. And this miracle of the flowing oil began to replicate. It began to multiply. And so they began filling these vessels up. And, and verse 6 says, when all the vessels were filled, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. He answered, there's none left. And then the oil stopped. She went to the man of God and who said, go sell the oil, pay off your creditor with what remains you and your children can live. Now, the question I have for you is when did the oil stop flowing? The oil stopped flowing when they didn't have any more vessels to fill in, which begs the question, if they had more vessels, would they have had more oil? And the answer to that is obviously yes. The more vessels they had, the more oil would they had. So she paid off what she owed, and what was left over, she could live on. But if they had more vessels, would they have had more to live on? Would they have had more bonus? The answer to that is obviously yes. It stopped when the vessels ran out. Their level of faith put a limit on their miracle. You see, sometimes we think that God can only do this much, or he can only do it in this way, or he can only do it in this fashion. He can't do it ways beyond our understanding. And so their limit of vessels put a limit on their miracle. And so in much the same way, let's not limit God based on our understanding, our comprehension, or even our perception of what it looks like. We often put limits on what we believe God for. We tend to be backwards in how things work. You know, we say, God, I need more. Give me stuff. I need supply. I need this. And when God gives us, then we'll be able to pour. But God doesn't work that way. He says, you pour and I'll give you more. That's the principle that he works on. When I give to others, God gives me more. We look at ourselves often as dams. You know, a dam is a place that stores an abundance of water. They take a river, they dam it up, and they store huge, you know, cubic meters of water. And there's just a little trickle that goes out. And so when you store up things, you're actually saying we're going to take this, we're going to keep this because we're going to be in a place where there's lack. So therefore we have to prepare for this time of lack. It's contrary to our walk with faith because if we're saying God is insufficiently able to provide all of our needs, we're not able to get from God and therefore we have to take this into our own hands and kind of work this out and make things and make things possible so we can provide. We don't expect that God can supply all of our needs, and therefore we have to store up and become a dam of resources. But God doesn't work and ask us to become dams. He asks us to be a river, a river of blessing. And so many times in scripture, God talks about the river that flows, that brings life into different areas. Because you see, when a river flows, it flows and blesses the land around it. It nourishes the land, it brings life to the land. And so God says, don't be a dam, be a river, because as you pour out, God's going to pour into you. As you pour it to those around you, God is going to pour into you. You know, the toilet paper shortage of 2020. I can tell you that, you know, I didn't panic, not because I'm holding myself up as some sort of example, but, you know, we just didn't be bothered to go out and just buy a mass load of tall paper. And I have an amazing leader Transformed Church who was so amazing that he went out and when he got some, he got some for me. And so he brought it and gave it to me. And I was so thankful and grateful that he actually thought about giving it to me. You know, and so I'm grateful in that sense that because God will supply, he will supply in every way possible beyond our comprehension. God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. You know, some of us are spiritually stuck because we tend to keep up and store up and amass a whole bunch of things and we don't become conduits of blessing. We become stagnant pools that don't house life. We actually have a place where we become a dam that doesn't bring life we don't bring become a river of blessing so some of us spiritually stuck because we store up what god gives up some of us store up resources some of us store us talents and gifts some of up some of us store up finances some store up compassion some store up forgiveness we don't want to give out forgiveness to people because we think that they don't deserve our forgiveness. We don't want to give out compassion to people because we don't think that they deserve compassion. We don't want to give out some of our finances because we believe that we don't have enough, so how can we give to others? We store up gifts and talents because we think, you know what, God gave me this gift and it's going to be used for me and I don't, I'm not willing to use it or I'm, I'm not capable of using it. I don't think I can use it and we store up these things and there's a great parable that Jesus talks about talents you know if you don't you don't give out or use your talents effectively you'll lose it so anytime we store up things we're not becoming a conduit of blessing we become a dam of stagnant dead things so some of us just have to give our way out of this season and what I mean by that is use your gifts and talents to bless someone Use some of the things that God has given you to bless someone. Forgive someone who has done you wrong, even though you think they don't deserve forgiveness because God forgave you. Give compassion to someone because, you know, they might not deserve your compassion, but you did not deserve compassion from our God and you received it. So let's be in the attitude and character of Christ and do that. And I want you to say this with me. Believe this with me. I've got the faith to pull because I belong to a God of more. Come on, say it with me. I've got the faith to pull because I belong to the God of more. And listen to what Paul says in second Corinthians. He says this, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know, the goal of our life as Jesus followers, as Christ followers, is to be filled up with God so we can pour out that experience to other people around us. We can share the amazing testimony of what God has done in our life because he's filled us with love. He's filled us with grace. He's filled us with generosity. He's filled us with abundance and so therefore we're able to share abundance and forgiveness and grace and love and our story of redemption to others. You can be filled up with God's blessing so you can bless others. We can achieve great things in life through God, and therefore we can help other people achieve great things. When we become successful in our world, in our marketplace, in the church, in our job, wherever it may be, when we become successful, we can help other people become successful because we're being conduits of blessing and not storehouses of lack. We don't store, we pull. And when you think about it, when you think about what Christ has done for us, what he did for us, when we were at a place of lack, morally, spiritually, he didn't suffer and say, you know what, you guys deal with it, you figure it out yourself. No, God poured himself out into our life when we had lack. So we can become a place of blessing to those around us who are also in lack. You know, the amazing miracle of the gospel is that Christ came near when we had nothing, and he filled us with his love and his grace. He filled us with his forgiveness so we can become redeemed Christ followers, so we in turn can pour out that generosity of his love into those people around us, the love of Christ into the people around us. And so I want to leave you now with those three important principles. Number one, don't diminish what you have. Number two, God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. And number three, God's abundance often follows faith. When we pour out in faith, God pours more into our life. And this is going to come to inoculate us to counteract that scarcity mindset that we have. So we don't have to be scared of scarcity. We can dwell in the place of abundance that comes from Christ Jesus alone because he is a God who is able to supply all of our needs according to his wonderful, amazing riches in glory. So I challenge you this week, start coming out of that mindset if you look around and all that you see is lack start saying god i'm thankful for what you've placed in my life i'm not going to diminish or despise the blessings that i do have because you can take god can take what you don't have which is something small and make it into everything so sometimes we don't see it as something but god uses it to make it everything so transformers and everyone watching, I'm so glad that you're with us listening to this because I want you to break out of that scarcity mindset and dwell in the richness of God's abundance. Thank you. Let's pray because we want to pray for you. And coming to that as well, I want to encourage you, if you are actually in a place of lack where you do have a need, we do have care packages that you can contact us let us know. And we'll be able to provide that for you because through God's abundance in our life, we want to be a conduit of blessing to those around us. There's nothing you need to do. We just want to bless you with it because we realize that God uses us to bless others. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we thank you, we honor you, and we bless you. Father, because you're a God, of abundance. You're a God of supply. You provide us with things more than we can ever conceive of or think of. You do the extravagant through the mundane, and you do amazing things through difficult seasons in our life. So Lord, we don't want to go through life with a scarcity mindset. We want to live a life of abundance because you are an abundant God that will supply more than we possibly need. So I thank you, I honor you, and I bless you. I'm praying for everyone out there that you will touch, you will encourage, you will bless, you will uplift, you will give them a fresh dose of your spirit of positive life and encouragement and abundance and joy. And we thank you, Lord God. We thank you that you are faithful through every season of our life. We're thankful to the ups and the downs, through the highs and the lows that you will never leave us or forsake us, but you will help us navigate through. So I honor you. I thank you. I thank you for all the Transformers families. I thank you for everyone watching. Would you bless, encourage them, and uplift them? We give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again.